Our lesson this morning comes from Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at the 32nd verse. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and all the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong in weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release that they might rise again to a better day. Others were suffering mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in the skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and caves and dens of the earth. And all these though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father, we believe that you inspired the writing of the book of Hebrews and that these words not only had power in the day that they were written, but these words have power this day because they're inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so we pray, Father, send your Holy Spirit afresh upon us now to open this word for us so that we would be changed changed more and more to be like Christ for the sake of the world. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Where are God's saints today? Where are God's saints today? We celebrate the saints who have gone before us and are now safe in the Lord. No more night, no more pain. But on earth, where are God's saints today? We have a world desperately in need of God's saints. The difficulty is we often equate the idea of saint with stained glass windows, with superheroes of the faith throughout the ages. And miss the fact that for the New Testament, the word saint, hagioi, means believer. 
Saint refers to every believer. If you are in Christ, you are a saint. Oh Lord, I want to be in that number when the saints go marching in. And we forget we are in that number. If we're in Christ, we're in that number. And here's what happens when saints forget that they're saints is we end up trading in our halos for hats of other loyalties and allegiances. We are living in a world right now that is so divided and we expect the world to be divided. The world is in rebellion against its maker. But what's shocking is how men and women of faith, the saints today, often end up sounding just like the divided world. Divided loyalties, first priorities that don't seem to be about our sainthood. It reminds me of the story of my two favorite French Canadians, Maurice and Jean. Maurice is on his deathbed and Jean comes and visits and he finds Maurice filling out a membership application for a political party. And he looks at the membership application and he says, Maurice, I don't understand. You have been a card carrying member of the other party your entire life. Why on your deathbed would you be changing party allegiance? And Maurice says, well, this way, today it will be one of them that dies and not one of us. <laughs> and the difficulty is lately, that doesn't seem to be a joke. When the world looks at God's saints on earth, can the world see our halos past all of our other allegiances? All of our other rhetoric? All of our Facebook posts? How many Facebook posts have you sent about a political position lately? Do they equal anywhere near the amount you've sent about your love for Jesus? Your love for neighbor? The difficulty for many Christians is Perhaps like Esau, we've traded our birthright for a bowl of soup. But there's hope. There's hope for wayward saints. There's hope for discouraged saints. There's hope for saints who have lost their halos and they don't know where they put them. There's hope in this text from Hebrews. If you turn there with me in chapter 12. You see, what Hebrews is reminding us of is that this celebration of all saints today is not just a commemoration of saints' past. We do that beautifully to remember those, especially those most recently who've gone to be with the Lord. We commemorate the saints' past, but all saints is also a commissioning of the saints' present. It's a reminder to say, you and I are the saints here on earth, the church militant, the church called 
to live as saints in this world. And what the hope we see in this Hebrews passage is that first of all, we find out the saints are forgiven people, which is really important. Saints are not some sort of extraordinary people. They're ordinary people who are forgiven. God makes broken, ordinary people into saints. But not only are saints forgiven people, but they're forgiven people who then God is forming into a Christ-likeness. We're being formed to be like Christ, forgiven and formed. But thanks be to God, and it's vital we hear this, that all of this is accomplished by the finished work of Christ. It's not up for grabs. It's not a question of whether that may remain true of us. It is fixed. It is finished. It is complete. See, first we've got to realize as we look at this text that saints are a forgiven people. Chapter 12, verse 1, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and that great cloud of witnesses, of course, is chapter 11. It's referring to that hall of heroes of the saints that we just read about. Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets. All these men and women of faith who lived through faith, by faith in this world. And I don't know about you, but when I read chapter 11 of Hebrews, it's, it's both inspiring and intimidating all at once. Because as you read their lives, you think, wow, that's amazing. And then you immediately realize, and that sounds nothing like my life. How could I ever be counted as saints in the same way they were counted as saints? But you know what's amazing is the encouragement comes because God has given us his word. He's given us his scriptures. And here's what's contained in these scriptures, stories about these saints. And as you read the stories of these men and women of faith, here's what you find. You find people like Samson, listed as these heroes of faith. But Samson, you know, got caught up with Delilah. You know, he gave up everything. And yet God used him, a very broken, sinful man. Not exactly the kind of person you say, I hope my son grows up to be just like Samson. But God uses him. God uses broken, ordinary sinners. Because we realize as we read the Bible that there is really no hero in Scripture except one, God. God is the hero of every one of these stories. The hero who loves and forgives these exceedingly wretchedly broken sinners and uses them for his purposes in the world. Forgiveness. Put it this way. Saints aren't born with halos. We're born with horns. The halos are given because of Christ's work. Listen to Paul, I mean, uh, David. Just like Paul, a, a, a wretched sinner. Psalm 51, David writes this. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. He knows that from the very core of who he is, he was born into sin, and yet God uses these sinners. We sinners. You see how in chapter 12, verse 2 of Hebrews, he says that who, for the joy set before him endured the cross. Jesus, for the joy set before him endured the cross. Do you know what that joy was? 
that as Jesus was walking up Calvary, carrying his cross, as the nails went in, as he was mocked, he had joy before him. And that joy in the words of Colossians chapter one was this. The joy to know that we, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he, Jesus, has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. The joy set before Jesus was the joy of presenting you and I, wretched sinners, blameless and holy before his father. Look, Father, here is yet another one of these sinners that I have made whole before you. This is why when we talk about our mission here at Christ Church, we say that Christ Church Plano exists to invite ordinary people to know Jesus and become like him for the sake of the world. We're not here for extraordinary people. We're not here for super apostles and super Christians. We're not here for the best of the best. We're here for all of you. We're here for ordinary, broken, real people in need of a savior. Because that is the gospel. Saints are forgiven people. And of course, that's why God gets all the glory, right? God gets the praise. We don't get the praise. Why? Because in the words of 2 Corinthians 4, 7, we have this treasure, all of this glory in jars of clay. We are the jars of clay to show the surpassing glory belongs to God and not to us. You see how God gets the glory when you and I begin to live just a little bit like a saint? When our halos begin to shine just a little bit? Because those who know us most intimately, those who know us the best, will look at that and say, you're living like a saint? There must be a God in heaven. If you can live like a saint... God is amazing. Saints are forgiven people, but saints are forgiven people then formed to be like Christ. See, the difficulty often is we focus on what we're forgiven from, sin, death, hell, but we forget what we're forgiven for. For what reason has God redeemed us? For what reason has he saved us? For what reason has he made us his saints? That we would be formed, conformed, as Romans 8, 29 says, conformed to the image of his son, that we would become like Christ. Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the founder and perfecter of our faith. We look to Jesus as our savior, but also as our example, as the template of what the true life looks like. When I was first converted, I didn't really understand what Jesus meant in Matthew 4 when he said to the disciples, come follow me. I thought of it more like come and follow me and I'll, I'll get you saved. I'll, I'll, you follow me into heaven, right? But then I realized, as I sat under better teaching, that for a first century rabbi to say, follow me, that's actually coded language. For a rabbi to go to a disciple and say, follow me, he's saying, come be my disciple, come learn my life. I'm gonna show you how to do what I do 
say what I say, even think what I think. I'm going to teach you how to interpret Torah, how to live Torah, how to live for God in this world. And the, the particular way, thinking of our text today from Matthew 11, we just read, the way that a rabbi would interpret Torah and live out God, God's way in God's world was called the rabbi's yoke. And so a rabbi would say, come, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For my yoke is easy, Jesus says, and my burden is light. Take my yoke, take my life and put it on you. That's why we wear these. And when we come into church, we, we put these stoles on our clergy to declare to the people of God, this is supposed to be the yoke. Think of a yoke of oxen. The yoke of the rabbi, the yoke of Rabbi Jesus has been placed on the church. We've made this one of the central vestments of the Christian church for 2,000 years to declare that this is the very center of what it means to be a saint, to live into our salvation, living more and more like Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what it's about. As we're told in Acts chapter 11, verse 26, in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. And what does Christian mean? Little Christ. It meant that by the time the church came to Antioch in Acts chapter 11, the world would look at the way the church lived and say, those disciples, they're kind of like little Jesuses. They're little Christs. And that's exactly what we're called to be. To look like Christ more and more in this world. As C.S. Lewis says, the church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ, to make them little Christs. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. That we would become like Christ. And it's going to look different in each of us. Every one of us, in a different, unique, beautiful way, will live out that Christ-likeness in the world. I love to tell the story of our sexton in Ottawa, at our church in Ottawa, Bernie, who, the sextons in Anglican tradition, we have weird words for everything. Our sextons are our janitors, effectively, our facilities people. And so Bernie was a retired Mountie, you know, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. He's a big, tall Frenchman. And so Bernie served as our sexton. We were downtown, inner city. We had a lot of street friends, community living around us. So we had street people coming in the door every day, every hour. And so Bernie was a combination of janitor and kind of doorman, a ministry to those coming in off the street. And because he was so big, he kind of was our security all at the same time. So when a street person would walk in the door, every 20 minutes, every hour or so, Bernie would greet them and take them into the kitchen and make them a sandwich and make them a cup of coffee and would have a chat with them. And this would go on and on and we got regulars. And one day Bernie was away on vacation. And so I answered the door. One of our regulars arrived at the door and I said, hey, good morning. And he looked at me and he said, where's Bernie? And I said, Bernie's away, but I said, I'm the rector of this church and it would be a joy for me to make a sandwich for you and pour you a cup of coffee and we can chat in the kitchen. And he looked me up and down and says, I'll come back when Bernie's here. 
Bernie was the guy that always told us, I don't have a ministry. Bernie was the guy that always told us, oh, I can't do what you, I can't do what you clergy do, you preachers of the gospel. I, I don't have a ministry like that. And I'd say, you have a ministry that is changing lives. This man is coming for you because he's looking for Christ and you are as Christ to him in this place. Isaiah 11 gives the promise that the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. And do you know how God is going to fill the earth with the knowledge of himself? By filling his earth with little Christs. You and me, by God's grace, are the means by which the world will know the Lord's presence as his life lives in us. Saints are forgiven people formed to be like Christ. But we must also finally hear that saints are forgiven people formed like Christ by Christ's finished work. And I say this because Hebrews says in verse 1, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely we, we acknowledge we're sinners and daily we're called to lay aside sin. We're called to lay aside that sin through confession, through repentance and to know God's forgiveness. But here's the problem we run into as we walk down this road as disciples, as saints for a while. In my life, when I look back at my prayer journal and I look over various years, I'll see certain patterns of sin from, say, 20 years ago, after a while, to God be the glory, I'll see certain patterns of sin fall away. Like, that, that thing that was really tripped me up for a while, that, that burden of sin was, is, is, it seems to be taken away. But at the same time, don't get excited because there's always some other sin pattern that seems to emerge in its place. So I seem to have dealt with this, and now I've got something else to deal with, and at times you think, is, is this sort of like a two steps forward, three steps backwards kind of deal? After a while, we begin as Christians to wonder, especially as we face major disappointments, major failures in sin, that we begin to wonder maybe this whole sanctification, this whole really living as the same thing isn't taking for me. It, it isn't working for me. I keep falling back into patterns of sin And we need to be careful when we talk about the need for daily repentance that we not mistake the reality of our need for daily repentance with some kind of twisted version of our faith where we lose our standing before God every time we sin and then have to ask for it to come back. We will fall into sin. We will dirty our feet daily in this world, but fundamentally at the core, Jesus has won us finally and completely on the cross. If you are in Christ, your status is as a saint and that cannot be taken from you. You may be a really bad saint today. You may have a very tarnished halo. You might not want to know where the halo is. Your wife or your husband may look at you and say, you don't look anything like a saint. And usually if they say that to you, you actually feel even worse about yourself. 
But the truth is you cannot lose what Christ has bled for. If you are in Christ, you are a saint. And this is why Hebrews ends this section by saying, Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. That language of being seated is vital. Because in the ancient Near East, it's the language of a reigning king. It's the language of one who has completed his work. See, Hebrews begins chapter one with this same concept of being seated. It says specifically that Jesus, after making purification for sins, then he sat down. In other words, he did the work that he needed to do for our salvation, and then he sat down in that completed, finished work. The king seated means his work is complete. Yes, you will fall into sin, and he'll forgive you daily. But the moment where that took place was on the cross and it is secure and it is sure as John 19 verse 30 says, as he dies, it is finished. We will feel again and again, and rightly so, that we're not very good saints in certain seasons and we need to repent and we need to ask God to empower us by the spirit to live again as saints, to be reformed, to be renewed as saints. But when you look at your life today as a saint, when you take an assessment of your saintliness, when you look at your halo and ask, how shiny is my halo? Where the heck is my halo? Your status as a saint is not determined by where you stand. Your status as a saint is determined by where he sits. As Philippians chapter one says, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Where are God's saints today? Our world is desperately in need of saints. All saints is not just a commemoration of the saints past, but it's a commissioning of the saints present. The hope for wayward, lost, discouraged saints is that saints have always been simply forgiven people. And saints have always been Forgiven people formed into Christ each and every day, piece by piece, step by step. And the truth is that saints have always been a forgiven people, daily formed like Christ, because it's always been about Christ's finished work. I always love to tell the story of Monica in labor four children and every time that Monica in labor would come to that transition moment where for those of you who've been in the room know that's when it all gets real Monica each one of our kids would at that point 
decide she was going home. She would just come to that place that says, I'm not having a baby today. And she'd want to get up out of bed and sort of like, let's pack the bag and go home. And of course, by the time I got to number three and four, I knew this was coming. And as a father, as a husband, all I could go back to is what we'd been taught in our birthing class. And there was a phrase that our birthing coach had used. And so when Monica would say, I can't do this, the only response I could give is, you are doing it. You are doing it. This is happening. You are doing this. And of course, by grace, each time she did do it beautifully. This is what it means for us as saints. In a divided, discouraging world, in moments when we are so confused and lost at how we are to live our saintly lives out, discouraged by our failures, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. I don't feel like doing this anymore. I can't do this. Jesus says, seated as king on the throne, having poured out his blood for you and for me and for our salvation to make us like himself, to fill this world with the only thing that will save it. He will speak to us again and again, especially on this day of all saints. You are doing it. Because I live and because I am seated, you are doing it. So stop fighting and stop fleeing and surrender afresh today. You are the saints that God is filling his world with and he knows exactly what he's doing. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.